Hello and welcome to the X-Files on the Grid podcast. I am Rachel. I'm Tristan. And today we're going to be talking about season one, episode 14, Gender Bender. Um, this is actually, I always forget to introduce the directors, but this is Rob Bowman's first directorial episode. Uh, he went on okay. to do, I think, about 34 episodes, including uh, he directed Jose Chung's From Outer Space oh. and uh, the first movie he directed. Wow. Um, so this was his first directorial episode. I thought that was worth noting, even though I've literally never mentioned a director besides Chris Carter before now, which is my bad. <laughs> so with that out of the way, um, what were some of your... I guess, general memories or uh, before we started watching this episode, what were your thoughts? I remember this episode very well. Okay. Uh, I remember Mulder sneaking around in those caves and like everything was just weird and like, these weird people with their weird rituals and you don't really know what's going on. But then I guess they're aliens at the end. Spoiler alert. I, I remember liking this episode a lot, mostly just because it's so different. and It's it's so weird. Okay. I like that. All right. I don't really have anything to add to it. I Well, I guess I kind of do. I definitely remember watching this episode as like a 10-year-old. And this was probably like the sexiest thing I had ever seen on TV. <laughs> and so that kind of shaped my memories of it a little bit. I'm like, this vaguely makes me uncomfortable, but mostly because I was watching it when I was 10. Right. But it's not even like there's anything really that explicit in it but i guess for a 10 year old i don't know but that was really my main memory going into it i don't know we'll see i think we're uh this might be a a, a bigger discrepancy episode this might be a, a an eve six reverse or eve, i can always refer to that episode as eve <laughs> six that's not the title an eve an eve reversal um, where I think you perhaps liked it more than me, but we'll see. I could be we'll wrong. We'll see. Um, so on that note, should we delve on into the grid? Let's go. All right. So the first category is going to be writing. And the first subcategory in there is going to be mythology and character developments. What are your thoughts for this category? I ranked this category fairly high. Um, really? Yeah. We do get to see Mulder being like a private investigator more. I mean, not just uh, sneaking around in the the catacombs or whatever, but also like he instantly spots that some of those photos are missing. And he's like in, a, in an almost accusatory way. He's like, hey, can I see him? I don't know. There's just a few little things like that. And uh, like when he and Scully are walking away after the dinner conversation, he's like, hey, did you notice that they didn't answer any of our questions, but we answered all of theirs. And like, he's very observant in this episode. And that's kind of neat to see, especially because that's supposed to be his background as he's like the the best profiler or whatever. True. But it's, uh, it's always kind of neat to see that side of him. And just like how, I don't know if this is the right subcategory for it, but like I said earlier, it's just like this group of people that's so weird. And they have, it's just weird and where do where did they even come up with these ideas and and i think it it did a good job of for me at least not really being sure what's going on and not really sure what's going to happen next which i guess is more plot structure and pace i was gonna say does that play into mythology character development well it seems like these characters were very well developed and it does okay. add a little bit more to Mulder. Yeah. not much to scully i guess that's true i wasn't really thinking about the whatever they're called. They're not Amish. What was, what was the, the name of their... 
I don't remember. I don't remember either, but... It's like The Watchers or something. It wasn't that. No. The Kindred. There we go. Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about them as far as character development goes. I usually just go straight to Mulder and Scully right. with this category, and then you always remind me, like, well, look at all these people we were introduced. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'll bump it up a little bit, but I thought... It was pretty meh. I would have gone even lower with my score, but I feel like in comparison with, with last week's episode, like you have Beyond the Sea that was so character-driven. You got so many different sides yeah. of these people. Not going to rehash all of that. You can listen to that episode if you want to hear more on that. But, you know, in comparison, like I feel like it's okay to have, you know, more of a monster of the week, I guess, although I wouldn't quite call this I mean, I guess it is a monster of the week. Right. You know, you can get away with having a little bit more of like a, okay, here's a buffer episode. It's just for fun. Nothing too much at stake. Nothing too much learned. Right. And I feel like that's, it was well placed within the season, but it didn't really do anything. Sure. Super awesome for me. I gave, I originally gave it a 4.5 and I knocked it up to a five because of the kindred. I thought they, okay. that was a decent job there, but yeah, I just, it met my expectations. It was fine. Okay. I, I gave it a nine out of 10. Just I I think maybe I like the like the weird idea episodes more. Yeah. And I think this is pretty weird idea or a few of them all bundled together. And I don't know. I enjoy that. Okay. So what did you think about the plot structure and pace? Pretty much the same. I didn't like it nearly as much as you. It seemed a little bit slow. Nothing awful. I mean, I do like, I guess, the, the more world building aspects within the plot structure as far as like... Yeah, you have the kindred, I almost forgot their name again. Yeah. But you know, you have this this other, this this entity that, you know, exists outside of, of societal norms and they they play that up really well and give it, you know, it's rooted in reality, but then it has all of this paranormal or like like sci-fi alien elements to it, which is interesting. Right. Um, but meh. I feel like later episodes do similar ideas better, which is not fair. So I didn't knock the score for that. Um, sure. I gave it. A, I gave it a five out of ten. Also, if I was considering later episodes, I would have given it lower because, like I said, a, a later episodes take the same themes and do it better without all the weird sexual stuff, which we'll get into in the next category because I do think it's interesting, but mostly from a historical point of view ish. But we'll get into that in uh, I guess not the next one. Uh, John Quixote and Gross. I'll touch on that more. Yeah. But yeah, it was a five. It was fine. All right. Yeah, I gave it a seven because I was just, it held my attention the whole time. Okay. And there were parts that were a little slow, but they were also very suspenseful. And, and there were a lot of moments where it's like, well, I wonder if Mulder's going to get caught, which he does in like half the episode. <laughs> so it, I, I actually do wonder if he's yeah. going to get caught or not. It's not like he's like other shows where, you know, the good guy never gets caught or never gets injured or anything like crazy stuff yeah. happens um i i liked it i gave it a seven fair enough uh, so how did you feel about the outer goals versus emotional needs uh there wasn't that much i didn't really see any inner needs as far as outer go- goals go mostly it was them get trying to get themselves out of problems they put themselves into <laughs> Like Mulder yeah. going into that cellar and then he's like, oh, shit, I they turned around and they walked back. I forgot they were <laughs> going to do that. And then he's trapped and like dives in that gopher hole, he, call, he calls it. So there were moments where there was strong outer goals, but it was I, I think it was all them 
trying to get themselves out of stupid situations they put themselves into. That's fair. I gave a, I actually gave this one a little bit of a higher score. Originally, I gave it a five, and then I was thinking about what we had said for, uh, or what you had said for character development about the... The kindred. Kindred. Uh, but yeah, so you have these Amish-ish cults or whatever, or maybe cult is not the right word. I don't know. Uh, but you have this this other group of people, and I think the character of Marty is really interesting looking at it through this lens of outer goals versus emotional needs, because I think that character really encompasses like the entire group as far as this, like this emotional need for human connection. And we don't really, I mean, they all seem to have this pheromone that lets them have sex with whoever they want and then kill them or whatever. Like, I guess they all have that. Yeah. Or whatever. Well, like Marty but, said, it was as good for him or her or whatever as it was for the person who died. So I think they are they are just as attracted as the people who were under the influence of their pheromones were. Right. And I think it's very much so. Um, I don't think this was the intended message. And we'll get more into this, uh, like I said, with the genre cliches and tropes. Cause I feel like that's where it fits in best. But I do think there's a lot to be said about this you know, this repression that this society had. And then here's this character who's going to go out and be like, you know what? No, I don't want to repress this. I'm going to go out and enjoy right. it. Oh, I definitely think that was And fair. And so I do think there's, there's that emotional need of wanting a, a physical human connection and wanting to break free of this life that they, this very strict and repressive life that they have. Right. And this one character wanted something else. But I think that the character... Like, not only does does that character have a very clear outer goal and emotional need, but I think it's representative of the entire society needing some sort of release. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe they don't all need a right. sexual release, but most people are going to need some sort of release in a society that repressed. Yeah, and I think they were repressed for good reason. Look what happens when they're not. Sure. The Yeah, staying away from people and all that is, I think, the best thing to do. Maybe they didn't do it the right way, but it's not like they're being assholes for the sake of being assholes. No, but... It's still not sustainable in the yeah. long term, at least not for most people. So anyway, so I gave the Outer Goals and Emotional Needs a 6.5 out of 10. Gave it a little boost, bumped it out of the... I can uh, see that. From, from meets expectations to exceeds expectations because of that element with the character of Marty. Yeah, I could see that. I think I'm going to bump it up too because it is, you know, like you did earlier, I was just thinking of Mulder and Scully. What are you going to bump it up to? Seven. Okay. So how did you, before I dive into... A rant, although I don't even know if John of Clichés and Tropes is the right place for my rant, but I've waited too long is where it's going to go. <laughs> um, what did you think about the, the John of Clichés and Tropes? Uh, I have really like the trope of like this weird, mysterious group of people who are doing their own thing and you're trying to figure out what is it? What are their secrets? Why? I really like that. You were probably thinking more along the lines of the sex and the all that. I don't know. Don't really have an opinion. All right. So my, my rant with this... Well, rant has a negative connotation. It's not a bad rant. Right. But I think that it's really... So I was looking at the Wikipedia page because I was curious about a few things. And I think it was Chris Carter who said this. It might have been someone else on the show. But somebody was like, we need to do a sexy episode of X-Files. And this is what they came up with. Which, fair enough, it works well enough. But the whole idea was like, let's do something sexier than what we normally do. But they're also a horror sci-fi show. You pretty much have to 
make sex scary in some sure. way. So combining that aspect of genre and how they decided to tell this quote unquote sexy story. Yeah. You got to make sex scary. This was also made in, so we're in 1994 now, which is like the tail end of the AIDS epidemic. And this was definitely a point in society where like casual sex was the enemy. It was like the number one thing, like, do not do this. You will die. Like that's, I mean, I was like five at the time. So I, a lot of this is retrospectively, maybe it wasn't uh, quite as, as strict as that, but that's the, from the memories I have, even like 10 years later when I started becoming, or five years, I mean, when I was about 10, like when I watched this episode for the first time, for example, was probably about five years later. I feel like I was just starting to get an idea of these societal things going on and, and had that, that idea of like, oh yeah, this makes sense because if you have sex, bad things will happen, Sure. which can, it can be true. Like that's not necessarily a bad message, but I think it goes along with like that sexual repression and then like, oh, here's the consequence. Like, there's a lot going on in this episode as far as the time period and the representation of sex. I mean, you even have Scully was a, not essentially, she was almost raped. Like she was a, basically drugged. And was going to be taken advantage of in this drugged state. Sure. And, and then die after. Like yeah. She was going to be All, all the victims were like that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But Mulder's reaction to Scully is not, holy crap, are you okay? What happened? What's going on? You want to talk about like, his, his reaction is, you almost had sex with a stranger. What's wrong with you? Which it is out of character. So it's not like a completely awful thing to say like he but it does i don't think it, it was does, i don't know it was like he was like moralizing or, or what's wrong with you i think it was like something is going on that's how i interpret it not like oh shame on you or or moralizing yeah. i don't think he was necessarily shaming her it just seemed like there was the the word choice was very specific and and I don't think he was shaming her. I don't. I mean, within the context of the scene, that's not how it came across. But just that word choice was was very specific. I don't know. There was just a lot of intros, and I could go on for a lot longer because there's there's a lot going on in Sepso. But I don't even know where to begin, and I feel like I would need to like do a bunch of research and read other analyses of the episodes <laughs> and try and figure out like the viewpoints at the time and how society took this episode at the time and how there's a lot going on. There are things worth discussing and, and questions worth worth asking. And I think it's worth trying to put it in the perspective of 1994, which I was five. So I, you know, right. like I said, it's hard for me to put it in that perspective because I wasn't aware of AIDS or sex or any of that stuff when I was five. You know, like that's not... yeah. So it's harder for me to put it into context, but I think it's just maybe important is putting it too strongly, but I think it's interesting at the very least to put it into, into context and look at it from a historical point of view and to see how different themes play out and why they played out the way they did. I don't know. I just think it's worth talking about. For all of that said, I gave genre cliches and tropes a decent score. I gave it a six out of 10. I didn't go past the meets expectations because it was pretty tropey. But I thought it was interesting what they did and the way they used the horror genre, like specifically that they wanted to like make a sexy episode, but they're a horror show. So how are they going to do that? And I think they did a good job with that goal in mind. I just think there's, I don't know, context to put it in. Yeah, that's one of those things where I don't 
I don't know if that's a message that's being said or if that's just something someone's making up you're, or you're just choosing to see it that way. I, I don't, don't know. think everything has to intend to put a message forth to still have a message. I mean, right. With the football players, you can interpret that as something completely they different. They have a message. That's not what I'm saying. Or they like when a... Starbucks changed to the red cup, I think they were just trying something different and, sure, and then you I'm can choose to is, interpret that as whatever. I mean, that's, art that's t- why would you watch tv if you're not gonna interpret it however you want to interpret it that's what i'm saying like why a, would you watch it if you're gonna interpret it however you want to interpret it so how do you you just take everything at exactly face value whatever well, you see I, is exactly what you get you spent three and no, a half hours talking no. about her the other day because of all the different ways you can interpret things right so, why, I, is, I'm, so I, why can you not do that with this so i'm not a fan of when people say like it's art and you can interpret it however you want because at, at that point, why even bother with anything? Why write think... a book if it can be interpreted to mean anything, even the exact opposite of what you're trying to say? Why read a book if it's just going to if you're just going to interpret it as what you, you already looking for? What you're trying to say. Right. There's a difference between what you're trying to say and the interpretations. I think what you're talking about, like, like, so this 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 episode, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a Monster of the Week episode, Sexy X-Files. That's this episode, Sexy X-Files, right? Mm-hmm. But there's still meaning to it. I don't think it's possible to look at a horror sexy thing from 1994 and not take into account how sex was perceived in the media in 1994. Sure. They're yeah, connected. I'm... They're intrinsically connected. Yeah. Context is important. That's really all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Context is good. Like, this example is using, like, the AIDS epidemic as a marker for, like, oh, this is how people were looking at this topic. And I feel like action movies after 9-11 had a similar thing where it's like, okay. oh, like, the our perception of things have changed. Our sense of security has changed. The enemy has changed. Like, there was, yeah. there was a shift I, in yeah, the genre and a shift in public consciousness after 9-11. And I feel like... I don't know, just like it's hard to look at action movies without being like, okay, was this before or after? I feel like with particular, I mean, the horror genre has always been weirdly tied with sex, I think, because like body horror and things like that are so popular. Uh, And so it just kind of connects and like the, you know, the trope of the, you know, the teenagers who have sex get killed first. Like there's always commentaries on sexuality and particularly female sexuality as a whole. They're kind of warm. I'm not going to get into that now. Um, but horror movies and sexuality have always been kind of tied. And so I think putting it into this time frame, be like, oh, here's a sexy horror story told at the tail end of the AIDS epidemic in America. That changes how I perceive it. That's all I'm trying to say. I've gone on for like okay. 20 minutes, but that's all I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So what did you give? I can't remember if you already said or not. <laughs> uh, genre cliches and tropes. I gave it a seven. Exceeds expectations just because I really like, I mean, aside from all the scary sex stuff, like <laughs> I, that doesn't even really, I, I don't think that like explicitly affects my score in any of these categories. Uh, I just really like the weird group of isolated people who are don't want outsiders. The whole dinner scene was really weird. Yeah. Like there's just a lot of really neat weird stuff and i like it it feels like x files all right fair enough uh so that brings us to dialogue what did you think about the dialogue uh i gave it a five it was all right that's about it 
I gave it a four. This was the only thing in the whole grade for me with this episode that fell below expectations. And I just felt like, and especially after Beyond the Sea last week, like there was some, because that was a great example of an episode that didn't have the witty, but really had like the on point, like dramatic dialogue was so good. And this would be a perfect opportunity to be like, okay, we just had this really dramatic episode. Let's flip the table and, and go really witty. And have, I mean, we're not in the area yet where there's funny episodes, so I yeah. get it. We're not going to have a funny episode, but this would be a great time to just throw in some sort of witty banter, and everything just kind of fell flat, and, and there was some awkwardness here and there that was just kind of like, eh, that didn't really, yeah, fell below my expectations. Okay. Um, That's pretty much what I thought. Nothing really stood out as like, ugh, that was bad, but nothing stood out as good at all. <laughs> All right. So with that said, what was your total score for writing? Total score for writing for this episode is 7.0. All right. Uh, Mine was only a 5.3. Pretty right in the middle of meets expectations, which seems about right. All right. So that's going to bring us to the technical category. Uh, And the first subcategory in there is going to be acting and casting. Any thoughts? Yeah, I gave it a five. Me too, actually. Uh, I thought that... Uh, the casting was really good on everyone and the acting was pretty good, but I, yeah, it, it looked like the people that X-Files would cast for these roles. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's what I expect. It delivered. Yeah, that's pretty much my thought too. I almost went a little bit lower, but my biggest gripe, and this is uh, really something that's going to take a hit a little later in the series, but I feel like it's worth knowing, even though this is a rewatch. So um, I don't think anybody's rewatching it with us or watching it for the first time. I mean, with <laughs> us. So I think I'm trying really hard not to do spoilers and I kind of don't care anymore. But anyway, <laughs> this isn't even really a spoiler. The actor who plays Michael, I guess his name was uh, Nicholas Lee, I believe is the actor's name. Okay, yeah. Goes on to play Crycheck in, I think that starts in season two, a uh, fairly major recurring character. Yeah. And every time I watch this episode, I'm like, does he have a twin brother? Did he change his identities? Why don't they recognize him when they meet Crycheck? Like, so many questions. And it just comes... And, and X-Files has done this. Well, not have. At this point in the series, they haven't done it yet, I don't think. But they're, they're kind of well-known for using the same... There's some actors that have been in three or four episodes all playing different actors. Um, huh. I think the the mom and conduit, I believe uh, the actor who plays her goes on to be in at least one or two other episodes. I don't know. They just got these one off actors and they're like, we liked them. Let's just reuse them. And instead of like bringing the character back or whatever, they just. Re- huh. And I mean, I guess I mean, in 1994, like this was DVRs weren't even a thing yet. That's so true. I mean, I guess they figured people aren't just going to sit and rewatch these episodes over and over and over again. What? And now people have it on DVD. We're watching it on Hulu. It was on Netflix for a long time. Yeah. Like, and people do. 25 years later, watch it over and over and over and over again. And then you see these familiar faces. And it's like, wait, what? Um, So I can't really knock this episode for that because he's a fine actor. And they cast a fine actor. And he did a fine job. Um, But once once we see him in the first episode as Krychek, I hope I remember to knock down like half a point for lazy casting. Hmm. I mean, it worked. Like, I'm glad we got him for Crycheck, but it bugs me. Because I'm a very 
canon person yeah. where I'm like, okay, so wait, what's going on? Like, I remember this is going way off topic, but there was an episode of Bones where a character references Buffy, and I'm like, but no, 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 this doesn't work. <laughs> David Boreanaz was in Buffy and then was an angel, so does this mean that in this universe there was no angel on Buffy, or was there an angel but it was played by a different actor, or does he just look like David Boreanaz, but he's a character played by David? Like, it just... It wrinkled my brain and I couldn't handle it. And I just, I was done. I, I couldn't, I don't like it. I don't, no, no, just, just no. Um, anyway, that was way off topic. But yeah, so that's my thoughts on acting and casting. Not really of this episode, but those are my thoughts. Of a lot of other episodes. <laughs> but anyway, I gave it a five as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the new director. Uh, because the cinematography, that's the next subcategory, seemed a bit different. It did. And I was reading a little bit of trivia on it. Um, accidentally, I was looking for something else. But um, yeah, I guess the, the all the torchlight or lantern yeah. light, I guess, uh, posed quite quite a challenge. Um, but man, it sure, I don't think they used as much as they wanted, but it's sure that he pulled it off and he's got just the right... I, I mean, a lot of that's the, the cinematographer, too. I always forget to look up the names i don't know who the cinematographer was at this point in the series but um yeah just that combined effort of of the director and the cinematographer to get all those scenes i really liked it especially the lighting there was some good camera movement as well and some good camera angles and all that like the camera work was really good too but the lighting especially is like oh yeah this is classic yeah lighting yeah even in a lot of the exterior shots around the barn area you could see that it was raining which, from what I understand, is really difficult to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can only see it when it's backlit, but that's just always a nice touch. Absolutely, I agree. Just yet more classic X-Files. Okay, yeah, I guess that was the uh, introduction to the cinematography. <laughs> so I would have bumped this one up quite a bit, just because I really liked the exterior shots, like I said earlier, and I really liked um, that weird cavern thing in the cellar of the barn. Uh, like that was just weird and Mulder yeah. was sneaking around in it. And when they're in the uh, outside, the when Mulder and Scully are outside the barn looking in, like everything yeah. seems very, very claustrophobic and very, very anxiety yeah. producing. And uh, like, I, you really don't know if they're going to get caught or not or what's going to happen. Uh, I thought a lot of that was due to the cinematography yeah. Uh, the lighting and camera and all that. Uh, that was really great. But I had to knock it down quite a few points because there were some very odd like camera angles and weird close-ups of people's faces, like okay. more than usual. And it, it just was kind of jarring when it happened. Like one of the best examples I could think of is uh, towards the end when Scully finds the, the dead guy and... Uh, Marty, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like hits her on the back of the head or shoves her onto the bed or whatever. And then she like falls down onto the floor. And then when she sits up, she's like face to face with the dead guy. But then like the camera, like for like half a second, like zooms in onto his face and takes up the screen. And then they like flash to her face and her reaction. And it was just like kind of weird and jarring and almost goofy. It seemed to me, it didn't seem like X-Files. There were a few other scenes like that throughout the episode, but that's one that really stuck out. Okay. I also noticed there was 
one shot that kept coming back at the dinner table where it was uh, not Marty, but Marty's friends. I don't remember his name. Jonathan, maybe? Brother Jonathan? Sure. Um, but yeah, Marty's friends. They kept, they kept showing him, and it was like a close-up of his face, and it was out of focus. And they oh. showed it like three times. Yeah. Like it, they must have just, they must have been one of those situations where it's like, well, we don't have time for reshoots, so we'll work with what we have. Yeah. Try and cut around it. But I noticed that it. it was, maybe it was only twice they cut to it, but there was clearly just like one take they did on him. And I don't know if they just only did one take or maybe every take was out of focus, but hmm. that, that knocked it down a little. I still gave the cinematography a, uh, a 6.5. I was going to give it a little bit higher, but that out of focus shot really bothered me. Yeah. Uh, but I really, mostly the lighting. I really liked the lighting in this episode. I think the same thing. There were some, some good positives but a few pretty big negatives so it came out to a seven for me well maybe it should be a little lower i don't know we'll see if i change my mind on that all right well what did you think about the editing and special effects (sighs) morphing one person into another i don't know if i've ever seen that look good except for things like within the last few years they did a decent job with this one of cutting. Like, I feel like most of the morphs took place off screen. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. But then towards the end, there's like one where you're looking right at her and yeah. she changes into the, the male version. And ugh. which maybe it like blew people's minds at the time. But I, don't, I think it did. You don't think it did? Uh, I don't know. I mean, for TV, at least. If that was in a movie, people would probably roll their eyes a little. But TV, standards were low for TV, which is part of why X-Files, I think, was so popular. Is they're like, no, screw that. We're going to make a movie every week. Yeah. I don't know. I'm all defending it. Like, I gave it a perfect (laughs) 10 or something. I gave it a 6. I thought it was fine. I gave it a little bit of extra. I was just going to give it a 5, and I gave it extra points for doing so many of the morphs off screen. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I guess that's good editing. Yeah, but not special effects. Anyway, I gave it a five. Fair enough. I tried not to be too harsh. Yeah, they did the best with what they had. Uh, What about sound and music? Did anything stand out as good or bad? I did think the music was pretty good. Uh, It felt a little bit more like classic X-Files, creepy crawly. Um, So that was good. There There was one point where where Mulder was in the, the womb-like taverns and he was like poking at the, the yeah. pot or whatever. And it was so loud. I'm like, that's not a bad sound effect, but like lower it down a little bit. Uh, but other than that, I thought everything was good. I'm probably being a little picky on that, but I gave I gave the subcategory. I gave it a seven out of 10. I've, nothing really stood out for me on this one. So I gave it a five. I did notice the music one or two times, but it was standard, solid X-Files. Music meets okay. expectations. Fair enough, I guess. Uh, how about aesthetics? What did you think about this one? Aesthetics, I really like. Like I've said several times now, I really like the underground cellar, cavern, catacomb, rebirthing, alien yeah. chamber. Sure. Clay pit thing. I think that's what they called it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought that was really cool. Uh, I guess the club scenes looked like club scenes. Yeah. We did see a few different interiors of people's houses and apartments, and they all had like a distinct look. One of them was like covered with like uh, like magazine covers or something. I was gonna say that must have been like Marty's, like his actual. Oh yeah. His or her. Yeah, it had Christmas lights know. as well. Yeah, and it was just 
because the I hope his name is Jonathan. I I think they said Jonathan at some point. Maybe it was Andrew. I think it was Jonathan though. Um, but yeah, he even said like, oh, he even liked the the paper right. that it was printed on. So I don't know. I liked that touch that like everything was covered in the magazines. But it's like you've got the magazines in there. You've got the like you know trashy pictures presumably you can really get Probably, a good look yeah. on them but like so it's just saying, like the bright colors like everything that presumably this community that's very similar to amish people would not like yeah yeah i like that yeah um i don't know why so i uh because of all those things i actually gave it a nine fair enough i gave it an eight that's, uh, I'm pretty sure that's easily my highest score out of anything for this episode. Yeah. It's definitely another one of those episodes, too, that didn't look super dated. I think because we have right. uh, people, I guess, intentionally trying to look dated. We have the, I keep just calling them the Amish community. They're kindred. The kindred. Um, I think that helps keep it from looking dated. And then, I don't know, but Mulder and Scully's looks seems a little more on the timeless side this, yeah. this week. So I did see that Scully had her uh, strangling gloves on again. <laughs> yeah. Or driving gloves, whatever they are. Whatever. Yeah. They're probably just my hands are cold gloves, but that's not as fun. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It, it held up really well visually. All right. Uh, was there anything else you want to add for technical or should we give our final categories? Uh, yeah, let's go our final score for the technical category. All right, what did you give it? I gave it a 6.2, exceeds expectations, but a little lower than writing. Wow, I actually got a little bit higher than you somehow. How did that happen? I gave it a 6.5. Wow. How did I get higher than you? I thought you were higher than me on, like, all of them. I had three fives. Okay. All right. Uh, memorability. So it sounds like we both remembered this episode, um, so now it just comes down to did we remember it for the right reasons <laughs> and and how well did we remember it? Uh, do you want to go first or should I? I can go first this time. All right. Um, I don't know why I volunteered to go first or I guess it's not quite how that happened, but uh, <laughs> what? I don't know. Uh, I don't have much to say. Um, I definitely remembered it. Like I said at the beginning, I definitely remember, you know, watching this as a young kid you know, going to a super conservative Christian school type environment right. and, you know, watching this episode that just seems different. And I don't know, it's not a particularly explicit episode. Like, it's not like I was watching something of, of all the episodes. This was not one that was like, ooh, I was watching that at 10. Like, right. there are some other episodes, even ones that we've gotten to so far, where I was like, why was I watching this at nine or 10? That's young. Yeah. And this one, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um but I think that's my biggest takeaway is like watching it and just feeling kind of like, like, is this something I should be watching? Like the violence never, sure. it never felt like I was watching something above my age level or whatever. But this episode, I think I did kind of feel like, like, Ooh, should I be watching this? I don't know. This is interesting though. So I don't know. It got a little bit higher just for that, I guess, just for when I first watched it, I think has, has a lot to do with my impression on it now. Uh, but I gave it a 6.5. It's not the most memorable, but I remember a decent amount, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i sure I watched this when it first came out, and I've seen it many times since then, so I remember this really well. I would have given it a higher score, except I kept 
uh, like getting it mixed up with this other episode that also has some weird cave stuff going on. I think I know the one you're talking about because I think I did the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I knocked it down a little bit for that. Yeah. Um, but overall, I gave it a seven on memorability. It exceeds expectations. All right. Pretty close to mine. Um, on that note, here's where I think we're probably going to have the biggest discrepancy. Uh, how did you feel about the overall enjoyment? I enjoy this episode. Um, like I've made clear several times in this <laughs> one and in previous episodes, I like weird ideas. Uh, and I think X-Files does a really good job of that. And they can present it in a way where it's like that they, they kind of like tease you with it. And they, they'll answer a few little things, but then there's things that they left, they leave unanswered. Like, are these aliens related to the bounty hunters who can shapeshift? Or are they just completely unrelated to anything? Because they're also talking about, like, this sort of end of days uh, kind of scenario. They're, like, hinting at it. Like, maybe it's, like, the religious Armageddon is is what you think at first. But then it's like, no, there's, like, some long-term stuff going on here. Yeah. Uh, so is that part of the colonization effort? Uh, Why did they let that guy die? What's up with that? Like, does the clay, the white clay that they talk about, does that have anything to do with it? They didn't let a guy die. Who choked to death? No, he like, that's the guy that Mulder found who was Right, why why did they let that happen? Why didn't they stop him from choking? I don't think he was choking. I think it's like, so like when Marty had sex with people and then they died and they like frothed at the mouth. I think it was that, except I don't think it poisons them. I think it's like triggers the transition from either male or female or female to male. Could be. I thought it was, that's what I took out of it. Could be. I don't know. I just really like that. Um, Especially when you're watching it without realizing that, you know, the surprise ending where they leave on a spaceship or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's really neat. I like that. So I, uh, I enjoy it. I gave it a seven out of 10 exceeds expectations. All right. I don't have much to say in this category. I (laughs) thought it was, fine i wasn't bored i didn't hate it it's not space um <laughs> but i wasn't like you know sitting at the edge of my seat can't wait to see what happens next you know it wasn't yeah squeeze or eve or beyond the seat like it didn't grip me the way those episodes do it was right in the middle i gave it a five fair enough uh did you give this episode any extra credits nope me neither i haven't really been giving x-files much extra credit yeah, these last few episodes I haven't either. Yeah, it's all right. It doesn't need it. It stands on <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what was your overall score? I'm guessing it's a little bit lower than mine. Yeah, probably quite a bit lower than yours. I gave it a 58.25. It's getting close to the uh, exceeds expectations range, but it just doesn't quite... Nothing really pushes it for me into that direction. So that seems about right. Okay, well... Yeah, that is quite a difference. I gave it a 68, which uh, it's below a 70, which feels about right. Somewhere between a 50 and a 70 for me. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things I like about this episode, but a lot of it's just kind of bleh. Yeah. Or it's just a little jarring or a little weird. So, yeah, 68. That seems about right. All right. Uh, was there anything else you want to add for this episode before we wrap it up? 
uh, it's cool to see a new director, and I'm glad he goes yeah. on to do other and better episodes. Yeah, me too. All right, so that's going to wrap up our discussion of Season 1, Episode 14, Gender Bender. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 15, Lazarus, which is an episode that neither Tristan nor I seem to be able to recall. So that'll be an interesting one. I'm going to wrap this up pretty quick because it's really, really hot in here today and my computer is kind of overheating. It's getting pretty loud. So uh, on that note, be sure to check out the Gritty Films website at grittyfilms.com. That's Gritty Films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. And uh, leave a review for this podcast would be super awesome and will help us get more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.